0: I know this message is completely beyond my human capacity to project in any kind of eternally effective way. So I want to start with prayer and ask if you would pray with me. Lord God, you know and I know that I'm inadequate for this message. I desperately need your Holy Spirit and I ask for it now. Lord I ask you to empower me to do three things today, for you rather through me to do three things today through this message, just three. Number one, I ask, Lord, that you supernaturally grant each person in my hearing a full understanding of, as well as a strong desire to embrace your own heart for the nations. And number two, Lord, show us, all of us who claim to be your children, the key bridges we must cross before we can deploy with you to carry your gospel to people groups that have never heard your name, of your fame, your wonderful, life transforming gospel. And third, Lord, and not last, last but not least, give us an absolutely insatiable desire to start the process of becoming fully equipped to play a strategic role in the completion of your work on earth, of your great commission. For your glory, and honor Lord among all the nations, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. Well, good morning. you don't often see me up here, and you may never see me here again. I don't know that's all up to the Lord, but it's a great privilege for me to be here this morning to share with all of you. My wife Betty, and I spent six years of our 43 plus years of married life serving the Lord in a remote part of Central Asia and. Heart embedded in today's message is going to be a little sharing from each of us of some of the eternal lessons that we learned, often the hard way, from our time in Central Asia. They're wonderful lessons, but somehow we had to be there to learn them. The song we just sang really reflects our hearts. I wish we could have all sung it together, and maybe we will at some point during the service, but to see the nations worship. That has to be our heart's desire. Can you imagine seeing a choir that, with every tribe and language group on the face of the earth singing in harmony together in worshiping God, Jesus the Lamb, because that's the picture of Christ's return. That's the picture of the, the final outcome of our struggle here on this earth. Now, Raymond suggested to me that we do something that we never do here, and that is to circle back to Acts 3. Many of you have known we've already done that once. Uh, I'm reminded of, as Betty's caregiver, we often go to Kroger's together, and it works like this. She has a list, and then we go down, starting at the vegetables, and we go down aisle one and two, and she checks items off the list, and we get to aisle 13, one before the end, and she says, oops! I forgot something, we have to circle back to aisle two or three. And so I'm used to circling back, so if you can bear with me, we'll circle back just a little bit. I wanted to start with Acts 3.25. You remember, if you were here, that Peter, through the power of God, had just healed a man who was crippled from birth. And you remember also that he had an opportunity to share a message with the leaders of the Jews, the, the Israeli men that were gathered there at Solomon's portico to the temple. Solomon's portico is a, if you can imagine it, it's like a, a covered gate held up by pillars. It actually wasn't part of Solomon's temple. It came from Herod's temple. that was built like 20 years before the coming of our Lord. But it's the same place that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in John 10:23. 23. It's, it's, a fa- it's a place where our Lord had stood and preached, and Peter again is preaching. And he says to them, And you are the heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, or seed, all peoples on earth will be blessed. All peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham's offspring. Well, what does that have to do with us? Unless you're Jewish, you might say, well, I'm not Abraham's offspring. I'm not the seed of Abraham, so I don't get it. Where are we going from here? So let's fast forward about 20 years from A.D. 31 or thereabouts when Peter gave his sermon at Solomon's colonnade to about A.D. 4950. When Paul having completed his first missionary journey writes some very important words to the church at Galatia which is in modern day central Turkey he tells them and this is in 3:26:27 I believe you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And now the the real thing, the kicker here, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So all of us who claim salvation through faith in Christ Jesus are, in any meaningful sense of the word, heirs of Abraham according to to the promise, Abraham's seed. And what promise are they referring to there? It goes all the way back to Genesis. Well, you don't have to go that far back. You can go back to where we were in Acts 3.25. The promise is that God, through Abraham's seed, would bless all the nations. So we, as the seed, are heirs of that promise and instruments through whom That promise is intended to be fulfilled. So you have to put those two scriptures together to sort of get your arms completely around uh, that message. I want to give you a, a short Bible quiz just to illustrate a point. Complete the following Bible verse. Be still and know that I am God semicolon there's something else after it all right the rest of the story old people like me can remember paul harvey used to say and now you know the rest of the story i will be exalted among the nations i'll be exalted in the earth this little verse in psalm 46:10 almost in the middle of the bible is a perfect illustration of where the church in the West is today as we are almost ensnared by our culture and by the idea that we should be enjoying life and and successful. We are bloated with the gospel message which we received in Bible studies and what have you, but We're missing the point that we were never saved solely for our own benefit. It's hard to to kind of appreciate, but we were saved to be used. We were saved to be, we were blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And as we're going to see in a minute from the Greek of that used throughout the scripture, the Pantata ethnos is talking about people groups people that have a distinctive cultural, linguistic tie. So take the country of Iran that Betty and I visited in 1998 when in the first few weeks of a friendly government, there are 40 plus people groups that live there. People with different languages, different culture, different history, and they're going to need a different, a contextualized message of the gospel most of them totally unreached. There is a church among the Persians, but the other groups, no. Uh, so the message is we're blessed to be a blessing, and we just got to remember that. Otherwise, we fail in our most important mission. Yes, we're saved, but we get to heaven, and the worst news of all, ah, you missed my assignment for you. You succeeded in life, but in something that, except for yourself, has no eternal consequences. I don't want to get that message. I don't want to miss my assignment, and I hope you feel the same way. We are blessed to be a blessing, not just to one or two others, but to the nations, according to God's plan. And if we remember that, we'll be okay. That's step one. Okay, let's go on. I want to make a case here. I'm quoting Piper. A unifying and continuous thread throughout the Bible is that God desires to be worshipped and glorified by representatives of every nation on the face of the earth. Again, not countries, but ethnic groups, people groups. I see the Bible as a three-act play, and this is grossly oversimplified, but act one, creation, fall, flood, power of Babel, dispersion of the people into multiple uh, nations and, and languages. First 11 chapters of Genesis. Act 2 starts with Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the covenant with Abraham, through you I will bless all the nations, and goes on. And if you look through the Bible, every time God intervenes in human history, whether it's bringing the Israelis out of Egypt or whether it's anywhere, I challenge you, look, and you will see that God is saying, I am doing this for the sake of my name among the nations. God is concerned in everything that he does that the peoples of the world spread afar are going to understand that he is the one true God and that his name is very, very special. It is his very identity, and he wants and yearns to be worshiped by all the peoples. So, Betty and I have been struggling through Ezekiel in one of these read the Bible in one year, and it seems so repetitive, but there we were yesterday in Ezekiel chapter 36, and I just opened it, and there's God saying, I'm going to put you out among the nations, talking to the people of Israel, "and, and, and I'm going to punish you, and then I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to do this all in the sight of the nations for the sake of my name among the nations, Ezekiel. I mean it's everywhere and then Jesus comes after a 400 year silence and Jesus shows us the true nature of God and shows us how to live and then he dies for us and then all the way through the scripture through the acts of the epistles through through the gospels through the book of acts we we get this continued thread of God's desire to be worshiped among all the nations and then at the end of chapter or act 2 in the book of Revelations, we see it all comes to a glorious conclusion. God accomplishes his mission. Yes, there are representatives from every people group on the face of the earth in a choir worshiping the Lamb, and yes, we win. Yes, the devil is defeated. That is not a question. The question is the when, the timing. I want to just give you a really... Have you ever done a quick tour through Cary Street by never going any you know, slower than 30 miles an hour, you don't see too much, but let's just take a, a quick uh, tour. Can, can, we, can we swing back a little bit and start out? Uh, I don't want to go backwards. All right. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be thousands like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies That's not talking about defense. That's talking about going against the gates of hell in an offensive maneuver, and through your offspring or seed, all nations will be blessed. Next, the Great Commission. All authority in heaven, Jesus says, has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't it incredible that our Lord chose to depend on us for the completion of his work? And I mean the church, this church, Redemption Hill, and individually you who claim to be believers in Jesus and who are believers in Jesus? I, I think that's incredible. But it's, it's, it's for us. You don't need a separate call to missions. This is it. You're in, you're in an army of God, and this is the mission. And the question is, are you going to stay on the sidelines, or are you going to come on the field and be engaged in the completion of the mission? And then where do we go from here? They sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. This one really hit me between the eyes. With your blood you purchased or redeemed men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus already has identified specific people in the nations of the world. He's already died for them. His blood was shed for them. They're there. If you go and proclaim the gospel as a witness, they will respond. That's not a question. The question is, will you go? Who will go? There's over 3,000 unengaged, unreached people groups today according to most missiologists. That means, unreached means less than 2% evangelical, not enough resources or believers to evangelize their own people. Unengaged, on top of that, means no church, no scripture, no missionaries, no message, no word. And in those unengaged groups, And there's several thousand of them out of a total of 16,000 people groups, out of a total of 6.7 billion people on the face of the earth. And there are people there for whom our Lord died. And you can say, well, somebody else will go or he'll figure out a way to get them into the kingdom. But he is depending on us, on us. And there, are the, the reference that i looked at before. The, the, it's just got to be the most beautiful scene, vision in the entire Scripture. Throughout all the persecution and everything, we can look to this Scripture. I spent a good bit of yesterday on the phone and on the computer with a brother in Afghanistan who's trying to get a believer, an Afghan believer, out of prison. Uh, he's charged with a capital crime of becoming a follower of Jesus. Case hasn't made the newspapers yet, but he's been in jail since May. He's been raped multiple times. He's been chained to a guy that he says is, a, is an Iranian spy who turned him and a bunch of other people who were baptized in back in May. And according to Afghan tradition, if you become a follower of Jesus, it's a capital offense. And if you're convicted, you die. And he's supposed to have his trial today. And we're doing the best. He doesn't even have a lawyer. He doesn't even know what's going on. And this is just one example, it's not the worst, of persecution that's happening every day of the week where our enemy is just going red hot crazy against, he doesn't want the gospel to be proclaimed or the church to grow in Afghanistan, not just for the main Pashtun people but for 50 or so other people groups that are in that country. Okay. This is the kicker. I think Raymond made reference to it the other day. How many people realize that the trigger for the Lord's return in Scripture is the last people group hearing the gospel, the gospel being preached or proclaimed to representatives of the very last people group on the face of the earth? That's when Jesus told his disciples, the end will come. Now, Don't get all hung up in thousands of people groups and all the numbers, because only God knows really where the line is drawn and whether the Afghans in Turkey are a separate people group from the Afghans in Afghanistan. You can look at joshuaproject.net to see all of the information about this. But our task is to keep moving, keep going until he comes, not to do what we think is the finish of the work and then wait. We keep going. But that's the the trigger mechanism for his return. And so, do you know that the, the works that you were intended to do by God have already been prepared in advance? That's what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. That means that's what God is saying to us. That's God's word. Prepared in advance. And then the next I know you know this scripture. How can they hear without someone coming to preach to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then my very favorite, the next, and I want to focus you along these lines. Paul says, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was unknown so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Listen, it's okay to build on someone else's foundation. It's just not the best okay. It's not, it's not the optimum okay. At least if you use Paul, the first missionary, as your example. Okay. In our experience, and I'm going to introduce my good wife here in a second because she's the best part of everything that I've ever done except for Jesus. There's three bridges we have to cross and they're so important. Unconditional availability, moving beyond our cultural boundaries, outside our comfort zone, and willingly enduring persecution. Those seem to be the three things that if, if you can do that, and if you kind of put a stake in the ground and say yes, then doors start opening and people start getting assignments. Just by way of personal testimony, I'm 66 years old, uh, raised in a military family. The, the gospel in my family was never let anybody see you cry, never relinquish control, be a good person, and do like your dad and, and be in the military. And I did. I was 23 years in the Air Force. I was a colonel at a fairly young age. Um, I was proud of what I had done. I was a believer from the age of 13, by the grace of God. I surrendered to Jesus as savior, but it didn't really hit me that Jesus also wanted me to hand over full decision-making and control of my life. I don't know why. Maybe it was the American thing or maybe it was my military background. It didn't dawn on me. I I love to use the example of like I was driving the car that is my life, Jesus was in the backseat, and I occasionally, rarely, would ask him where he thought we should go. And in my 50s, it finally hit me that he wanted to drive. That my role was to be in the back seat and to go wherever he led and not even to ask questions. He would give me the information if I need it. Just trust in him. So, long story short, many years after we're married, um, I surrender fully. Uh, I come out of the Air Force because I hear or think I hear a single word from the Lord at about 31,000 feet that says retire. I plaintively ask, and what next? I hear nothing. A week later, somebody, I I put in my papers in the Pentagon. A week later, someone from my church comes up to me and says, I hear you're retiring. I said, how did you hear? I haven't told anyone other than the personnel people in the Pentagon. And you're not supposed to know that. She says, I just heard. And I said, well, what, why do you mention it? She says, my boss wants to talk to you about a job. I said, who's your boss? She said, the assistant attorney general of the criminal division at the main department of justice. I said, and when does he want to talk to me? She said, tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. I said, thank you, Lord. You know, lead on. And the doors started to open. And this, the attorney general, a lady named Janet Reno, sent me over to the former Soviet Union to try to help them with building new legal institutions. And while I was there, I had a vision of the world upside down. All the poor people were in robes, and God was, 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 had his arms around them, and the rich people were like poor. And I saw this my little world turning upside down and was called into full-time mission service. So I had to relinquish control. I was not unconditionally available for the first 40 years of my Christian walk. And I don't want anybody here to make that same mistake. And so I'm going to stop for a moment and let Betty Bristol come up and share.
1: Good morning, y'all. You know, don't they look good? Man, they really look Robert, you and Raymond, Raymond, Robert, uh, you guys get to see everybody every, every Sunday morning. And they, you know y'all look like missionaries already? And you actually are. You know when it said, go ye therefore? That means go y'all, every one of you. So you are already missionaries if you accept that commission to go. But it doesn't mean you have to go far. You can go to your roommate. You can go to the person next door. You can go to 7-Eleven you know, when you'll find another culture there. So go as you go. That's what it says in the scripture. Can we go back one slide there? Yeah, unconditional availability. Well, do we have any 11-year-olds here? Anybody with an 11? We got an 11-year-old. There you go. You know, I was, an, I was 11 when God called me to be a missionary nurse. But you know, it took as long as the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. How long was that? 40 years for this guy to fully surrender. 40 years! I tell you. Okay, well, he did finally, yes, he did surrender. But I used that, God used that time to prepare me to go on the mission field. So we became, or he finally became, unconditionally available. Well, crossing cultural boundaries. Oh, yeah. We went to Kyrgyzstan. Has anyone ever heard of it before I said that word? Before I said, some of y'all have, yeah. I see a few hands. Well, you know, it lies north of Afghanistan. Everybody knows where that is. You go north, and you're going to pass through Tajikistan, And then you'll come to Kyrgyzstan. Well, this is a country with five million people. They don't even have the same alphabet as we do. Can you imagine learning a language in a whole new alphabet? Well, they use Cyrillic, which is what the Russians use. So I had to learn a whole new language, new culture, and yeah, yeah, new food. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt as the usual gift of honor got fed the head of a sheep. And I thought, well, yeah, it's not me. He gets the head of the sheep. Well, at one of those nice dinners, he gives me the eye of a sheep. Oh, yeah. And you know what I had to do with it? I had to eat that thing. Well, that was real crunchy. Well, you know, some, have y'all heard of that song, Um, where he leads me, I will follow. Well, we learned the second verse. What they feed me, I will swallow. And we did have to learn to eat new foods. But you know what happened in Kyrgyzstan? We also saw miracles. We had a medical team come over. This was their first time there. And we had a woman come. To the clinic on the second day and she had been bleeding for three months well the medical team had no medicine they had no drugs they had no hormones to give her ah but we had a stronger medicine we had prayer and so we prayed for her she came back the last day of the clinic and guess what the bleeding had stopped Does that sound like something you might have read in the Bible about a woman who had been bleeding for years? And by her faith, the bleeding stopped? We saw that happen. Another medical team came the next year. And this year, they had a physical therapist. And one young man, he was 18 years old, came in. He had been in an automobile accident. He came in in a wheelchair. And he had been suffering severe headaches. Well, the medical team had a physical therapist, and she worked with him for an hour, massaging, working his limbs. But during the whole time she prayed, at the end of the hour, he got up out of that wheelchair and walked away. Didn't we just hear that story about the Bible and the man who had been lame for since birth? We saw those things happen. When we were willing to go beyond our comfort zone, we saw it happen. Well, there's the last one there. Enduring persecution. Enduring, perhaps, spiritual battles or suffering. When we first came to Kyrgyzstan, we went to a village And you think it gets dark here at 4.30. Well, it got dark there at like 3.30 or earlier in the winter. And you thought it was chilly this morning. It got to be 40 below centigrade. But, you know, the good news about 40 below centigrade is the same as 40 below Fahrenheit. So you really know how cold it is. Well, in those dark winter days, when we when we... Matt and I began to squabble and to bicker at each other. And we wondered why. Because one thing when we went there, we thought we didn't have to worry about was our very, very strong marriage. But that's where we were attacked. We had spiritual attacks on our strong marriage. When we figured that out through prayer, we understood what spiritual warfare and persecution was about. Well, it also can be suffering. We had—I uh, was on a medical team who had come over, and I contracted dysentery. Well, it became systemic, meaning it went into my blood system, and it attacked my lungs. It made holes in my lungs. When we were in Korea, and Matt was lecturing at a university, my lung totally collapsed, and I had to go into the hospital and have surgery to repair my lung. And as most of you all know, I am now dealing with a very very uh, aggressive kind of cancer, sarcoma cancer. Last year, we spent seven months in Houston at a cancer hospital, MD Anderson. And, you know, we walk through many valleys, but as a result of prayer, those valleys became mountaintop experiences. But it was only through prayer that that happened. But we were willing to do these bridges. But, you know, if you're willing, you'll be able to see God at work. You will see miracles. You will not only see them, you will experience them, because I sure have and will continue to do, to experience his grace and his miracles. Thank you. you,
0: I can't tell you what a blessing it is to have this angel as my wife. It just is, um, you know, life isn't easy many times, but... A good question we all ought to ask ourselves, and I ought to ask you right now, is like, how is your heart? I hate all these medical drug commercials on television that, that uh, seem to be on all the time. I'm not talking about Lipitor and cholesterol, but how is your heart in the spiritual sense of your innermost being? Do you wake up in the morning with a song on your lips? Is life truly a joy for you, or is it something else? Are you feeling out of sorts, like you're not in the right place? Are you feeling down, depressed, uh, uneasy? God who created you in his image and created me in his image, created us with a heart that was designed to be like his. Thank you, David. Our heart is supposed to beat for the nations just as red hot intensely as God's does. And here's another problem of the Western church. Too often, and we do wonderful ministries, locally, community, within our comfort zones, But our heart is only as big as that. We never capture the full extent of of the heart of God for the nations. And so he's brought them here. There are people from many unreached, unengaged people groups within a 20-mile radius of this very spot. He's brought them here to us. I want each of you to have and to ask for from God, who will give, according to his gracious will, a heart that includes the nations. That is the abundant life that our Lord spoke of, an abundant life that is undisturbed, unshaken, whether the message be rare and aggressive sarcoma that can't be cured, or I'm sorry, your lungs aren't going to work anymore, or I'm sorry, you're going to die in the next six months, or I'm sorry, you just went, you lost your job, your wife is leaving you, whatever it is, there is a peace and a joy that comes from this full surrender, that comes from having this heart that is fully coextensive with God's own heart for the nations that can give you a perfect peace and a perfect joy. And that's what you were designed to have. And if you don't have it now, it's a problem. It's not a problem, well, it's a problem for everybody. It's a problem for you and your family because you're not going to be as happy during life as you might otherwise be in the sense of really joyful, but it's also a problem in the sense that you're not going to, you're not going to get the assignment that the Lord has for you. You're going to miss it, and you're just going to miss an awful lot, and I don't want you to miss anything. I don't know what your specific assignment is, but I know how to find out. I know how to find out. You just start praying about it. As Romans says, if you want to know God's will, you make every day your life a sacrifice to God as your perfect act of worship. You're not conformed to the culture. You're transformed by the power of God in the way you think like Jesus. And then the scripture says, You will know the perfect will of God. So it's not a mystery how to know it. You just got to get on the right path. You just got to get on the right path. What does our culture say about missions? I know what it said to us. It said, Don't go to dangerous places don't go to war zones, don't go where you could get hurt. God wants you to be safe. It said, don't go to any place where it would break the law to go there. You don't want to break the law. It said, you ought to have a seminary degree to go. You ought to be a pastor, and you ought to go with a sending agency like the International Mission Board or Pioneers or whatever, but not from a local church. And also it says some, our culture says something else. And it's so subtle. It says that you can delegate your responsibility under the Great Commission to someone else. And if you just pay and pray, that's enough. It's so easy. You just have somebody else go. And you sit back, and as long as you write the checks and pray for them, you've done enough. And all of those are against 180 degrees the scripture. It's the culture against Scripture thing. You've got to decide which one you want to to run with on the rest of your life. Nobody but God knows how many more days you have. And the question is, what are you going to do with them? Now, I want you to hear me well here. I am not devaluing for a moment any local ministry. We have awesome local ministries in this church for the homeless, for refugees, for the kids in Churchill, the young students for, uh, what am I missing, Betty? We have local ministries that are wonderful. For the prisoners, I'm sorry, Rick, we have wonderful local ministries here and probably some that I didn't even mention. Don't stop doing that. I'm not talking about making an exchange here. I'm talking about giving whatever you're doing a global dimension. Those refugees from South Asia... Some of them have been in this church, thanks to David, and others that have invited them. Uh, They need Jesus. And God doesn't need us, but he chooses to give us the awesome privilege of being engaged with him in bringing them to his throne. And the question is simply, are we going to be willing? You know, when Jesus asked, several guys came up to Jesus in Luke, and they said, hey, I'm ready to go with you. And uh, what do I need to do? One guy said, well, I've got to go bury my dad. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Another guy said, oh, I need to go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, forget it. Anybody that looks back is not worthy of following me. Um, And he said something really strange. If you want to follow me, you've got to, number one, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. That means you've got to be on the move, with him, wherever he goes, and every day you've got to deny yourself, put him first, and follow him, do what he says, make your life all about pleasing him, if you want to be a follower of him. When we were in Central Asia, we never said, they'd say, what religion are you, Matt? And I'd say, men isa ni which means, I am a follower of Jesus, present tense continuous. I didn't say I'm a Baptist, I didn't say I'm a Christian, I didn't say anything else, because only one answer truly gave what I am. Jesus is moving, and I am a follower of Jesus, moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that matters. And Dallas Willard in the book The Divine Conspiracy talks about barcode Christianity. You know, we just we say the prayer, we walk down the aisle, and, and when we die and go to heaven, we just go like this, and, and God's got this machine. And the red light comes on, they say, yep, you're good, come on in. That's another part of our culture that just, it just isn't there. Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, put me first and come with me, follow me. So you've got to go by scripture if, when you're planning the rest of your life rather than, rather than culture. about suffering. Nobody wants to suffer, and you may not have to, but we've got to remember that when we talk about having a passionate heart for God, we've got to remember where the word passion comes from. It comes from a Greek word. I believe it's Greek and not Roman. Robert can correct me if I'm wrong. That means to suffer. So, young people, it's not like being passionately in love with someone or like a feel-good kind of thing. It's Suffering. And the most intimate form of fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, is to suffer for his name. That's clear in the scripture. It's clear in the scripture. You can look at John 15:20 and Mark 8:34. Jesus said, If they persecuted me, what do you think they're going to do with you? They're going to persecute you too. And it's all through the scripture. So expect it. If you're not being persecuted, you better ask yourself an important question. Why not? Why are you not being attacked? Could it be that you're not making any eternal difference in the kingdom of God? Could it be? Man, I would worry if I wasn't being attacked. I see the devil as kind of like the Maytag repairman sitting on the roofs of some churches... He's like got nothing to do. Everything's cool. Nobody's threatening his his domains or his kingdoms. It's working out great. There's a wonderful scripture in Luke 5 that that is another sermon, but I'd love you to look at it sometime today where Peter, who's a great fisherman and recognizes Jesus as a master teacher, after having fished all day, in the shallow water, which is where every good fisherman knows you catch the best fish, Jesus says, Pull out into the deep water and put your nets out again. And he says, Come on, man, you don't, I'm the fisherman. They don't bite in the deep water and it's dangerous out there. And what happens? They get more fish. It almost sinks the boat. And how does Peter react? He says, He falls on his face and says, Lord, he sees him as God. Lord, you're in charge of all the details of my life from now on. You're not just a good teacher. You are the Lord. You're the Lord of everything. The Lord of me, the Lord of the fish, the Lord of everything. In Hebrews, it says you've got to go outside the gate. Jesus went outside the gate and, and was persecuted. You've got to do the same thing if you want to follow him. So I guess I, I want to end up just asking this question. Do you feel that you've, that you've got this abundant life that Jesus promised A, one that will never end, never in any meaningful, eternal sense of that word end, lived according to God's purpose and plan, intimately shared with Jesus, including the ability or the willingness to suffer, your life being a funnel through whom the blessings of God pass, the power of God, the miracles that Betty talked about, this was every month. It's not, the book of Acts is not over, which is typical, which is great for an Acts 29 church because the very name of the church suggests that there's more to Acts. And I'm telling you, the first century is not over in many parts of the world, including Afghanistan and Kyrgyzstan and parts of China. But the church has changed. There are almost as many believers in China now as here in the United States. There are more Presbyterians on any Sunday worshiping in Uganda than there are in Scotland or in Canada, or the United States, combined. There's more Episcopals in in Africa worshiping than there are in the rest of the world combined. And guess what, the Chinese church, when they baptize a little girl, like the 11-year-old that Betty's talking about, the father asks her, are you willing to die for Jesus? Because that's a very real possibility. And they have to say yes before they're baptized. Because the Chinese church, the underground church, that's growing so fast it may be a hundred million believers, is on the march back to Jerusalem, and they're being battered along the way. We have to get ourselves out of our own little cocoon and see the world as the Lord sees it. The Scripture says when your brothers and sisters suffer or are in prison, you need to be praying for them. You need to be identifying with them. You need to be suffering in your own spirit with them. And most of all, you need to be doing something about finishing the Lord's work. So if you... Where I'm going with this, and you can tell I'm not a professional pastor, but we're starting with Raymond's blessing and the blessing of the other pastors. We're starting something new next year. And Chris and Holly Scott are, are, are hosting, and Betty and I are going to try to help lead it along with the Lord. Uh, a global missions equipping group. If you are interested, if, if, if anything that I've shared this morning or that Betty has shared has sort of piqued your interest, if you would like to begin the process of being equipped for missions, for last frontier missions, if you'd like to learn about what contextualization means, how to use redemptive analogies like Don Richardson in Indonesia, the famous peace child analogy, God has embedded in every unreached culture special clues, special analogies to the gospel. The Chinese are one of those groups that were dispersed at the Tower of Babel. And if you look in their alphabet, the word for sin, the Chinese character for sin, has a tree and a woman and a man under it and a snake. Now, where did that come from? Except that at the same time frame when that alphabet was being developed, there was Moses at the same time frame. And these people were dispersed, so they had it as a part of their oral traditions. And there's about 20 other Chinese characters that are stories right out of that portion of the Old Testament. That, and even the, the word for salvation has a lamb. So when God puts these things into somebody's culture, into somebody's language, they are the bridges that you cross. And so when they receive the gospel, they're not getting something from foreigners. They're getting something that is truly indigenous that God intended for them from the beginning of time. Some missionaries have been greeted with the words, our fathers and grandfathers told us that someone was coming with a special book. What took you so long? God does all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is go. All you have to do is be willing. And and the irony of it is, is, is that many of us are not fully satisfied with the life we have, and and we don't have that unshakable joy, and it's there. It seems like a paradox, but most most of, of what Jesus taught were paradoxes. He said, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it, but if you lose it for my sake, you'll save it. It's that simple. Now, the Lord brought you here today, and I don't know why, I don't know, but the Lord gave this message to me, and my prayer is that that some of you will actually walk out the door and never, ever be the same, that that innermost being, the heart, will, having seen the thread that is God's heart for the nations, having seen it all come together, having seen that God is depending on you, having seen that He's going to empower you, having seen all of this that you won't allow anything to hold you back, that you'll just be bursting forward, and that you'll join that song, Our Heart. Our heart, my heart, is to see the nation's worship. Can you imagine what it would be like for you to get on an airplane like some people in a a church in Texas did, go to Vietnam, where the missionaries say, it's against the law to go up this river. Against the law. We can't do it. We've been here 15 years. We've learned the language. We'll be kicked out. But you, you guys, you expendable people from X church, it doesn't really matter if you're kicked out as long as you do something good before you're kicked out. We want you to go up this river because we think there's a people group up there that's never been registered on the, in the researchers, that, that's never heard the gospel. And so they go, and they get in the boat, and they go up the river, and guess what? They discover one that, that even... The Joshua project never heard of, that nobody ever heard of. And they preach, and somebody receives Christ, and the kingdom clock advances one tick. That can happen for this church. God wants it to happen for this church and for you, because that is, that's what it's all about. That's what our abundant life on earth is intended to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's a song that you've planted in in someone's heart that says that we are to follow hard after you. This world and all it offers is bleak and meaningless compared to the joys and the blessings of following hard after you. I pray for each man and woman and child here in my hearing that you will speak to them, through your spirit, that you will keep them up at night, that you will give them dreams and visions, however you choose, Lord, to show them how to internalize into their very heart and soul the words and the message that you have given them through me today. Lord, I pray that you would use this church and that before you return, this church will have been out there Not just in one people group, but with multiple people groups. Advancing the kingdom through your power, for your glory, for your honor, forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Lord, thank you.